podcast about movies. That about sums it up. I mean, what what do I have to add? Well, who um, the heck are you? My name is Corey Kraft. And I'm Rachel Morgan. Let's and talk about movies. I don't see why not. And now, fast film terms. <laughs> so this reminds me <laughs> of the Looney Tunes character, Speedy Gonzalez. Do you remember Speedy Gonzalez? I do he's remember a little Speedy. mouse. I think he's still around. around. I don't know if he's still around. I think he's been <laughs> well and truly canceled here in, in 2021. All right. Um, what with the cultural stereotypes and all. Oh, Speedy. Uh, but anyway, he, we hold a special place for him in our hearts because uh, he moved fast like these film terms do. Yeah, indeed. And this one's going to be one that's going to be a little obvious, probably. Okay. It's something called uplighting. So it's lighting that is up. That's right. And you see this? <laughs> yeah, it. you got it. You got Boom. it. Boom. Um, it is indeed that. It is a uh, put a light under somebody and you know and shine it up. And this is something you see a lot in the classic Universal horror f- uh, films. Absolutely love that. And uh, it it creates an immediate sort of a uh, lot of play with shadows and uh, o- very ominous and just also will make you look really different. And so while we're all doing meetings still on Zoom, um, I really highly recommend freaking people out and uh, turning all the lights off in your place and doing. Doing a little uplighting when you're on Zoom, and people will be scared. some some Bride of Frankenstein style Absolutely. stuff there. That's cool. And then I got one more for you. This okay. is a genre which we've moved into that territory a good bit. But do you know what a space opera is? A space opera is is like a Star War. It's a, a like a fantasy sci fi epic that takes place in space and around spaceships and whatnot. Yeah, you got it. It's a you know mixture of space warfare, adventure, and romance. So it's got a bit of a little bit of a sort of soap opera vibe, a little melodrama. And uh, and believe it or not, despite the space opera title there, which falls under sci-fi, mm-hmm. um, there is no necessary connection to music. It, it really gets the sort of opera vibe from the melodrama. Yeah. Take that music. We don't need you in our Star Wars. Why would we? Hey, it's that new segment of the podcast. Well, fairly new. It's called Pick a City. I've got four pieces of paper in front of me, all with city names written on them. I'm shuffling them around. I know Brad's giving us some really cool shuffling music right now. I'm going to randomly pick one of these or let you, Corey, pick right. one of them. And uh, one of these is a dud. One of these <laughs> is going to have a city. So it's a whammy. It's a whammy. One of these is going to have a city on it that's going to be a more obscure. Okay. All right. And then well. the other three are, you know, they should be pretty easy. And so I'm going to, we're going to pick one. I'm going to read it and you're going to tell me what film comes to mind. Pick all a city. All right. Uh, yep. Shh, just pick one at random there. Is this okay? Yep. And it is, oh, you got a good one. New okay. York. Easy peasy. <laughs> New York. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, boy. Um, well, virtually every single film ever made by, <laughs> by uh, everybody takes place in New York. I'm trying to think of one. Oh, see, this is overwhelming because so many of them take place in New York. When Harry Met Sally takes place in New York. Yeah. It's um, a very New York film. It's a very New good. York film. Um Notable scenes take place in a lot of places that I enjoy, including Katz's Deli, uh, right. which is delicious. Um, that's, of course, where Meg Ryan has her uh, fake orgasm fit right. um, most hilariously. And um, most overplayed scene maybe in the history of the world. It might be. Is that a yeah. movie you like? It's a movie I really do like, actually. Yeah. yeah, That may be surprising to you, but I actually do like it. I, will, I rewatched it again for the first time, even though we did a we did a book and film club about it a couple of years ago. That's right. Um, but I was really tied up at that time, and so I read a little bit of the book, didn't watch the film, um, but re- revisited it this year at the holiday because it's a great time. It's a, it's a great. I think it's a great New Year's Eve film because yeah. of where it wraps up. Of course. Um, and I really found myself enjoying it a lot. I mean, it's very heteronormative. It's kind of stupid in a lot of ways. It's got a lot of the, the jokes that have been punched over the head so many times, but... But ultimately, I really had a good time watching it. Yeah, cool. Well, yeah. 
that take place that takes place in New York. It definitely. I mean, it's a quintessential New York film. The first one that comes to mind for me is I hate to say it because he shouldn't get any credit right now and he shouldn't get my mention at all. But Annie Hall is just the first damn yeah. thing that pops on my head. See, like I purposefully tried to I avoid know. that because that's that immediately right where my mind went. My, my mind immediately went to Manhattan crimes and misdemeanors. Right. Any number of movies that I I love by that man who shall not be named well that man really loves young children um but he also loves the city of new york anyway we'll land it there. <laughs> what can we say after that what and now we'd like to welcome charlie brown sanders the third to the studio for his segment film history minute with charlie brown Marats is the second film in kevin smith's intricately interconnected view a universe series the others being clerks chasing amy dogma Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Clerks 2, and Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. The movies are all linked by characters, themes, and events, and each contains numerous references to the others. For instance, one of the game show contestants is named Gil Hicks, a reference to Dante Hicks, a character from the movie Clerks. The characters are supposed to be cousins. Filmed in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, down the road from Fargo, which was shooting at the same time, while filming exteriors of the mall, production assistants would stick paper New Jersey license plates on cars in the parking lot. Occasionally, unsuspecting Minnesota mall customers would drive away with the prop plates still attached. Eden Prairie Center underwent heavy renovations in 2003, and the mall now appears nothing like it does in the movie. The movie theater was moved from the lower level to the upper level, along with a vast food court. The opening credits for Shannon Doherty in the movie depict a comic book which is a parody of Beverly Hills 90210. While shopping, her character Renee is seen wearing at least three different outfits. Doherty had a clause in her contract that she could keep everything her character wore, so she came up with a plan that her character should wear everything she bought on her shopping trip. According to Kevin Smith, another actor auditioned for and eventually received the lead role of Brody. On the first day of shooting his scenes, the unnamed actor broke down and was unable to give the same performance that had earned him the role. The actor was then replaced by Jason Lee. Brody's shirt is the faces of all the actors that auditioned for the role of Brody morphed together. Brody's comic book collection seen in the movie was director Kevin Smith's collection at the time. The collection is what Smith was able to purchase back after selling his original collection to finance the production of Clerks. The film takes place only a day before Kevin Smith's previous film, Clerks, even though it was released a year after that film came out. The studio almost replaced Jason Mewes with Seth Green. Kevin Smith insisted that Mewes should play Jay, but the studio made Smith take auditions for the role. Breck and Meyer also auditioned. In the end, all concerned agreed that Mewes was right for the part. Seth Green was on call, ready at any moment, to fly to Minnesota so he could replace Jason Mewes as Jay. Svinning was not originally supposed to be bald. Michael Rooker was trying to dye his hair gray for a better look and decided that bald would work much better. The pass that Mr. Svinning wears around his neck is the logo of View Askew, the film's production company. While doing event appearances as Merle Dixon from AMC's The Walking Dead, fans brought Michael Rooker bags of chocolate-covered pretzels. Mallrats is the only film by Kevin Smith that he did not edit himself. Although he and Scott Moisure cut the extended version that's on the 10th anniversary DVD, 
The content of the dialogue between Quint and Brody about whether Superman would be able to have sex and or a baby with non-superpowered woman is taken from a classic 1971 essay by science fiction author Larry Niven called Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex. During the Batman homage as Jay and Silent Bob escape from LaFour's, the belting attached to Kevin Smith slipped, the crane refused to start because someone had shut it off, and the key could not be located nearly resulting in a possibly lethal fall. Stan Lee can be seen looking to his left or right repeatedly while talking with Brody. This is so he can see his cue cards. Not being a trained actor, memorizing lines was very difficult for him. Jeremy London, on the other hand, despite being an experienced actor, forgot his lines repeatedly. Stan Lee initially did not want to be in the film as himself. He felt the dialogue wasn't things he would say. Kevin Smith responded that it was just pretend, to which Lee replied, Okay, spider friend. The end credits scene telling us the fate of each of the main characters is an homage to the Fast Times at Richmond High, which also has many scenes that take place in a mall. Kevin Smith even made sure to use the same font and color for the graphics. Both films were cast by Don Phillips, who also cast Days and Confused. The mall cop named LaFours is probably named after LaFours from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. In Butch Cassidy, LaFours is considered the toughest sheriff and his trademark is a white straw hat, just like LaFours wears in the film. And the stereoscopic poster is not a schooner. The stereogram, which supposedly shows a boat, actually depicts a set of 4 by 3 geometrical symbols consisting of a cross, a circle, a diamond, a star, four segmented circles, and four cones. Thanks for listening to the Side Talks podcast. Guess what, Corey? What? We're your own personal cinematic Hall & Oates. Okay, yeah, well, I'm into I that. I can't go for that, no. Brad, you'll, I know you'll weigh us. I'll put some music right there. I can't go, I can't go. No. Subtlety. Subtlety, Corey. Oh my God. Give oh, us the socials, damn it. I, I, I don't even know what to say At anymore. Sidewalk Film. At Sidewalk Film on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Sidewalkfest.com is where you'll see Cinema Showtimes and all the Sidewalk news your little heart may desire. Thanks to Batwell Studios who do wonderful things for us, like bring in the hollow notes at the end of a podcast, and we appreciate them so much. We appreciate you for listening. Bye. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.